Good morning. Well, my name is Terrence Little, and I serve as ministries pastor here at MPC, our Capital Press family. And this morning we begin a new series entitled Believe. Believe. But first, let me ask you this question, why? Why? Why do we gather here Sunday after Sunday? That reason may be different for each and every one of you. There are those who gather because we believe in Jesus Christ. We trust in Jesus to be the only hope for anyone in this present life as well as the life that is to come. Others of you may not share this same conviction yet. Yet. You, in fact, may not believe in God or Jesus. You may be here because you're curious about this Christianity stuff. Someone invited you to come today. But whatever your reason, I'm very, very happy you're here today. One of the major things we do as a church on Sunday is preach and teach. It's what I'm doing right now. It's what Pastor Ryan does Sunday after Sunday, as well as our other, uh, the other pastors here. Why? The Bible teaches us to preach and teach the Bible because through it, God draws people to Jesus. The church is a people of the Bible. Today we look at a book in the Bible entitled The Gospel of John. Now John clearly tells us his central aim in writing the book in chapter 20, verse 31. He says, these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. My aim today is that you believe in Jesus Christ so that you will have life, eternal, everlasting life in his name. We begin our series here with John chapter 11 at a pivotal moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus is confronted with the serious situation of the life and death of a loved one and its impact on those who are affected. Consider this as we walk through John chapter 11. Will you believe and trust and depend on God, on Jesus, when hardship and pain and suffering and loss enters your life? Will you believe? Will you believe in Jesus? The Bible teaches us that Our eternal destiny is at stake. That's why John wrote the book. We learn a lot about Jesus in chapters 1 to 10. We learn in chapter 1, he's the Word of God, the second person in the Godhead, in the Trinity, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's creator. He's life. As the song said, he's the life of people. All who receive him and believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. 
He comes down out of heaven and he becomes one of us. He becomes one of us. John writes as an eyewitness of the reality of Jesus. Jesus' ministry has been filled with teaching, healing the sick, feeding the multitudes, giving sight to the blind. People have become very close to Jesus. They follow him. They listen to his teaching. Many have grown to love him and stand in awe of his life and his power and his ministry. Others do not believe. The majority of the religious leaders in John's gospel see Jesus as a nuisance and as a major roadblock to their own influence and control. They even call him a blasphemer. In John 11, we see a dear, strong, loving relationship between Jesus and three siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Jesus has been to their home to teach and fellowship while Martha hosted. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, soaking in all that he he taught and that he said. And in chapter 12, she will anoint the feet of Jesus and wipe his feet with her very own hair. Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary, and he's become gravely ill, gravely ill with an illness that will ultimately lead to his death. The sisters love their brother, and in their deep concern for his welfare, they send word to Jesus, Lord, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They want Jesus to come and deliver their brother. They want their brother to live and not die. This brings us to our text for today. For here we are confronted with a major, major problem. And I contend that this is the problem of all human history to this very day. Though we're going to be in all of John chapter, one, John chapter 11 today, I want to read specifically verses 20 to 27. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming in the world. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father and our God, we ask that you would meet us in your word. Your scripture teaches us that your word never returns to you void. Holy Spirit, 
Give us light to see. Give us faith to believe. And shape and fashion us evermore into the image of Jesus Christ, our King. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three points to this message today. And the first is this. Understand the severity of the problem. Understand the severity of the problem. Death is the incredible problem and nemesis of all human beings. It is a sobering and sad reality. All of us will one day face death, be it with the passing of loved ones and even our own passing from this side of history into eternity to face our Creator. John 11 presents the problem of death and the incredible hurt and pain and loss it brings into our lives. I think it important for us to feel the situational heaviness of what's going on in John 11. Notice what Jesus does when he hears the news about Lazarus. Jesus does not immediately go to Bethany. Jesus stays two days longer at his present location. He purposefully stays two days longer. At first glance, you might consider Jesus' actions as uncaring, especially since we know that earlier in the book, he has performed numerous miracles of healing. Does Jesus not care about Lazarus? Is, is he insensitive to the situation of the sisters? He remains in his place until Lazarus dies. Jesus and his disciples finally go to Bethany where Jesus is greeted by Martha and later by Mary. Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb for four days back before the practice of modern-day embalming, which, ser which serves to preserve the body. Jesus stays for this reason. A superstition in rabbinic teaching during the time of Christ believed that when a person died, the spirit of the person hovered over the body for three days. Now, if the body was somehow resuscitated during those three days, then the spirit would return to it. The, rabbinic, the rabbinical teaching also held that after the three days, the spirit departed and there was no longer any hope of resuscitation. Jesus waited to come to Bethany to demonstrate the bankruptcy of such a superstition. The sisters at different times greet Jesus with the very same statement, but both coming at this from their own grief. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear the emotion? Feel the heaviness. Feel the heaviness of their greeting. Martha and Mary know that Jesus is special. 
There's no one like Jesus. That he can do what others cannot do. Martha and Mary know that Jesus loves them and that he loved their brother. They sent for Jesus because they were confident that he could do something about the situation. He, He could cause the sickness to go away. Jesus could heal Lazarus. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus are siblings. They've grown up together. They've played together. They've worked together. They've lived near each other. They've remained in close contact with each other over the years. They've enjoyed meals together with family and friends. They've they even come to know Jesus. Now one of the three, a treasured brother, falls gravely ill, even to the point of drawing his last breath. Jesus, won't you come? Lord, won't won't you come and save our brother? Jesus did not come. Jesus did not come. He did not arrive when they had hoped he would arrive. He came later. Jesus waited until Lazarus would first die. For all intents and purposes, this has now become a hopeless situation. Lazarus is gone. They've wrapped up his body and they've placed it in the tomb so that the natural process of death will occur. When a loved one dies, it is absolutely overwhelming. There's profound and deep loss. It feels as if your entire insides have somehow disappeared. There's hurt. There's even offense. The question inevitably emerges, why? Why? God, why? Why did Jesus wait before he came? Why did Jesus wait for Lazarus to die? Why did Jesus allow these sisters to feel the ache of the loss of their brother at the hands of illness and death? I know this reality. I, Terrence Little, I know this reality. And I know there are a number of you who do as well. Many of you know the sting of death. And we ask like the sisters, why? Why this? Why now? Why the pain? Lord, why the loss? And yet John 11 teaches us a life-altering lesson today. There is an answer, hallelujah, to the problem of death. But before we hear how Jesus handles death, it's crucial for us to remember our beginnings. In Genesis chapters 1 to 3, God sets the parameters for life. Essentially, God instructs Adam and Eve, our first parents, as long as you live and obey my word, which has given you life, you will live forever. But in the day that you disobey my word, you will surely die. 
MPC, our first parents disobeyed and knew the reality of God's word for they died later on at their appointed time. And the reality of death as the consequence for sin affects us to this very day. This is a difficult saying, but the Bible assures us of its truth and history bears out the evidence. Death is the breakdown of life in this world. Death is in the world because of sin. Death is the greatest enemy of mankind. Why? We were made to live forever. Death is a major interruption in the life of humanity. It touches us in so many ways and it is indeed our enemy. This is not the way it was supposed to be. And in John 11, Jesus has the answer for our severe and divinely appointed consequence, scourge and reality of death. This leads to the second point this morning. The second point, Jesus wants us to embrace the answer, amen. Jesus wants us to embrace the answer. Look with, with, look with me, if you will, at the two conversations between Jesus and Martha and Jesus and Mary. Martha says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus says, Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha, I, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha now looks to what I often heard growing up called the great getting up morning. <laughs> Words that I've often spoken at the funerals of numerous of my very close relatives. She looks to the final consummation of time and history. Yes, yes, Lazarus will live again after it's all over with, after God's judgment of all things is final and complete. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Jesus makes a declaration. He makes a statement of fact, of reality, of the way that it is. Amen. You don't have to say amen. I will. Martha, Martha, life is about me. I am the life. I am the resurrection. You are breathing because of me. Amen. You wake up day after day because of me. I am the reason you live. I am the life giver. I have all power over life and death. I have the power to raise people from the dead, from their very graves. Whoever believes in me, trusts me, embraces me, even if he or she dies, yet they will live. Every person who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, I am the key to understanding what this life is all about. Yes, you have experienced the scourge of death, but I come with great news. I am the resurrection, saith Jesus. I am the life. Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? 
Do you believe this? Jesus and Mary have a conversation. Mary says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Mary weeps before Jesus. Grief has saturated her soul. The Jews accompanying her are weeping, and Jesus looks at these people, and he's, the Bible says he's deeply moved and greatly troubled. But the Greek text of verse 33 informs us <clears throat> that Jesus is deeply angry. He is enraged at death, your enemy and my enemy. After asking where Lazarus has been laid to rest, the Bible says Jesus weeps. The Lord of glory, the man who opened blind eyes and healed the lame and the sick, weeps. We often say balls, we are bawling. And it is right, you all, to weep and to grieve at death and suffering. It is. It's not a form of, of weakness. Jesus Christ cries along with those grieving. He is present with them. Hallelujah. He weeps with them because he loves them. And next, Jesus changes the situation. <laughs> Jesus instructs that the stone be removed from the tomb. Martha says, now, now, Lord, by this time, there's going to be an odor. After all, Lazarus has been dead for four days. The King James Version says he stinketh. <laughs> and Jesus says, Martha, you will see the glory of God. And he prays, and if you notice in his prayer there, <clears throat> Jesus has complete confidence. That's in verse 41 and 42. He has complete confidence in his father. And he says he prays out loud so that those around him will believe that God the Father sent Jesus into the world. Jesus wants them to believe, and he wants us to believe. He, he calls out loudly the name of the dead man, and he does it with some instructions, if you will. Lazarus, come out. King James says, Lazarus, Come forth. And Lazarus emerges from the tomb. The man who had died walks out of this dark tomb. I mean, could you imagine? Darkness, him standing there, giving these instructions, calling this man by name, and all of a sudden you see the figure of old Lazarus, hallelujah, stepping forth from the grave. He heard the words of his king in eternity, and he obeyed and stepped back into reality by the power of God Almighty, by the power of the word. Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. Spectacular. <laughs> Absolutely spectacular. Jesus controls death and life. Jesus is the answer to our problem, the Bible teaches us. Our problem of sin and disobedience and transgression and death, Jesus is the answer. Every one of us listening today will surely die one day unless the Lord returns. But Jesus tells us today, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, which means you don't 
have to fear death. Amen. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him, that whoever what? Believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. And this leads to the third and final point. Jesus wants us to face the future believing Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to face the future believing Jesus Christ. Sisters and brothers and friends, Jesus Christ is our confidence that when we close our eyes in death on this side, we will open them in eternity, in peace, in peace with God Almighty because of Jesus. Death is not the end for anyone. I want you to hear this very clearly. Death is not the end for anyone. We all will live again. But how we will live again will be dependent upon one major condition, one major reality. Do you believe in Jesus Christ to be the Son of God and the Savior of mankind? Do you believe that Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that we cannot live on your behalf? Do you believe that Jesus Christ offered up his life as the sacrificial payment of atonement to God Almighty as sufficient to appease the wrath of God that every one of us in here online in the fellowship hall, we deserve the wrath of God? Do you Believe. My paternal grandmother had a massive brain tumor that was diagnosed back in the summer of 2008. Family had a time where we all gathered together to be with her and with each other. And uh, I went in the house to talk with her. You know, I've, talked, I've told you she's been, she was a major figure in my life and family. As one of my cousins was combing her hair, a great big storm came in. And she used to, my Melissa used to be very afraid of the storm. <laughs> she'd get up and go up to her. If, I, if my grandpa was home, she'd get up and go to her mom's house, just up, up on the hill. But we sat and we talked. And I asked her as she faces surgery or death. I said, Mama Lucy, are you afraid? She looked at me and she smiled as my cousin's combing her hair. And she said, no. No, son, I'm not afraid. My Savior has been good to me all these years. He's been faithful to me. I trust him with my future. She survived the removal of that tumor. And she passed away later in, in, in late October. And she did so without fear. She did so without fear because she believed and she trusted her Savior. Congregation, later in this chapter, the religious leaders will make plans to put Jesus to death. In the next chapters, Jesus will be falsely accused, placed on trial, and hung on a Roman cross to die. Jesus' body will enter a tomb just like Lazarus. And on the third day, Jesus Christ rose from the dead with all authority, the Scripture teaches, and he left the tomb never to die again. And he did that for you. Hallelujah. And he did that for me. Glory. Hallelujah. <laughs> Only believe. How? 
how you may ask. The Bible teaches in Romans 10, verses 9 to 11, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, trust in your heart, embrace Jesus in your heart, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, declared righteous before God. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. That is my hope. That is my hope this very day. And I pray that it is yours as well. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a savior. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that Jesus is the answer to death. We have so often lived, God, with the the pain of death, and yet you have made provision. Lord, if there are those among us today who don't know you, I pray you awaken their souls to the glory of Jesus. And for those who believe in you, strengthen their faith, strengthen their resolve. There have been some difficult things we've endured. Lord, you are with us. You are with us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.